so this morning, I think God wants to speak something to all of us um, just about what he has in store. And so we've been talking a lot about real love um, versus fake love. If you guys need a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand. We're going to get into the word. Um, Let me pray over us as well. Heavenly Father, we love you. Um, We praise you. God, we ask that you would speak to us this morning. Would you reveal to us, Lord, your love. Lord, not our own definition of love, but your definition of love. God, would you teach us about it, um, just especially when it comes to our purity. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking about this idea of God's real, true love against his, um, the world's definition, which could easily just be defined as fake love. Because when, when you say the word that God loves me, what does that actually mean? Because all of us have a different definition of what love means. And so if you have an earthly definition for what love is and you say God loves you, you're already mistaken. You're already missing the whole heart of it. But if you understand what God's definition for love is and what he says love is like, it's patient, it's kind, and everything that comes with it, then you begin to understand the love that God actually has for you and the love that he actually wants you to show to other people um, that are around you. So we've been focusing on purity. We've been focusing on sexuality specifically because that's probably one of the areas that gets so misconstrued in our world when it comes to this is what love is. People would point to that. Your sexuality um, and God's plan for sex is something that you can't indulge in. You can't just say, I'm going to do whatever I want because it will break you because you're using it outside of God's plan for it. But at the same time, you can't deny it. God made you with a sexuality, and he made it, and it's good. There's no shame in God's plan for sex and your sexuality if you use it within God's plan um, for you. In fact, it becomes destructive when it gets taken out of context, which in itself is the definition of sexual immorality. We've been talking about that. But we've also been talking about how we get to live as men and women of purity. We don't just have to avoid sin just to be pure. And if you think that it's, man, I just got to hold out until marriage and then, then I'll be good, you're missing the whole point of it. Because following Jesus with your sexuality isn't just about saying no to all the bad things, but it's taking hold of the good things God has in store for you. It's about a pursuit and a walk. And that's something that happens every day in every season. And what I would just say now is that it's good now. It's good right now to pursue God in that way and to say no to the things of the world. Because if it's not good now, it will never be good, even if you were married. If it's not good now and it's not at rest in your heart right now, it will never be good. Which is why we're taking a look for it, taking a look at it. Um, So we've been looking at that especially with purity, and one of those just really extremely important ways comes with marriage in itself. The next couple of weeks, we're going we're gonna to look specifically at dating and marriage. Um, and I think when you, when you look at the definition of love, um, it's best reflected in your understanding of how you not only define marriage or how you would define dating, but how you, what you value inside of it. Because it really brings out what you really feel and what you really define as love. So if you guys have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. This is a a letter that's written by uh, Paul. He wrote it to his church. Um, He was a pastor, um, just writing it to his flock, writing it to the people that he would preach and lead in the same way that maybe one of us pastors on staff would write a letter to you guys. And so he's um, specifically talking about 
the 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 church um, and what it means to be a church. What does it actually look like to be the family of God? And he gets to one of these points where he talks about marriage and he talks about instructions for Christian households. Actually, and he says this is and he gives them practical application of what marriage looks like within the context of God's plan for it. So in Ephesians, um, my apologies, it's chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5, if you want to look at verse 21, that's where we're going to go from. This is what he says. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word of God, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without any stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Can we all say amen to God's word? When Paul writes about instructions for husbands and wives, he gives some pretty serious commands. When you look at even just verse 22, he says, wives, you need to submit yourselves to your own husbands. And the reason is, as you would to the Lord, in the same way that you would to the Lord. And from that, in verse 25, he says, equally to the husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. In fact, in another version, it says, and died. That husbands, you're supposed to submit in such a way that you would die for the church. And so when you, when you read this and you look at it, you go, gosh, Pastor Jeff, there's nothing romantic about anything between these two. But romance in itself doesn't lead to true love. But in fact, it's God's love and God's plan for it that leads to true romance. You know, I think that's why Paul mentions nothing about themselves when he, when he talks about the wife, he, ne- he doesn't talk necessarily about what the wife's needs are. And when he talks about the husband, he doesn't talk about necessarily what the husband needs. Because marriage in the kingdom of God is anything but that. It's not based on ourselves. It's based on Jesus, and it's based on the other person. The very first verse in this section, verse 21, if you guys are looking at it, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Lay down your life for one another because of who God is in the midst of what's between you two. See, that's the heart that they're getting at. And when you read through this as well, if you want to look at verse 31, you probably recognize that verse. For this, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That is actually a quote. Paul is, Paul is quoting the Bible from Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. That was the verse that we went through two weeks ago when we were talking about sexuality and the plan for it. And Paul references it right here. And then he says, this is a profound mystery. And he says, but actually, 
I'm talking about Jesus and you guys. This is a profound mystery, but I'm, I'm actually talking about the relationship between you and God. And you see, when you look at a relationship with another person, this is what it looks like. This is what true love is between a man and a woman. It's laying down your life for the other person. It's submitting to them in the same way that we would lay down our lives for Christ. And in the same way that Christ laid down his life for us. You see sacrifice. You see commitment. You see selflessness. You see heart. You see true commitment to another person. Which is why Paul instructs them in the way that they do. Now that may look a lot different from the definition that you think love is. Or, and it definitely looks a lot different from the definition that the world gives you. Because would you guys agree in saying that when the world defines marriage or relationships, they say the first thing you need to look at is yourself. What am I getting from it? What am I getting from it? What, how, how am I benefiting from this? But, but Jesus says it's, it's actually the complete opposite. It's about the other person that's in front of you. Marriage is a picture of the relationship that God wants to have with his people. That's what he's getting at in this. Whether you're 12 years old, whether you're 80, marriage is always relevant. Marriage is always relevant because it's the relationship that God wants to have with us. And the more that you learn about God's plan for marriage, the more you understand God's love for you. The more you understand the depth of love that God has for each and every one of us. Maybe that's something that you've never thought about. I was talking to a 12-year-old and I was like, what do you think about marriage? And he goes, I don't know, I'm 12. And I was like, crap, he is. But the truth of the matter is, it is a part of our life right now in the same way that purity is a part of your life right now. Because when you read this and when you look at this, healthy, having a healthy sexuality looks like this because healthy marriage looks like that. Sex and marriage are one and the same, which means with your purity comes your definition of marriage. Which is why it's so important because when we talk about marriage, we can often look at it in a lot of different ways. I don't care. I don't care about marriage. I'm in middle school. I'm too young. I'm not thinking about that. I'm scared of girls. I'm scared of girls, you know. I'll deal with it when the time comes. The other side of it is true as well. It's way too important for some people. It's become an idol in our society. It's become an idol in our hearts where we think we only find satisfaction or have identity if we're on the fast track to that. The daily walk of purity shapes you in the same way that your understanding of marriage will shape you who you are right now and how you pursue it. And this is how I want to describe it. Natalie, can you put up the first map? That Anybody recognize that? It's a map of the Portland area. Now, there we are. We're in Beaverton. Um, if you go west, you're going to head to the beach to Seaside. Everyone loves Seaside. If you go the other way, you're going to pass through Gresham Boot. No, I'm just kidding. Now, oftentimes, when we think about the path to marriage, let's say, we, let's say the path of marriage is towards the beach because we love the beach. We think that it's a matter of, man, once I get there, I'm going to get there someday, and then I'll deal with it. When I get to Seaside, when I get a couple miles from it, I'm going to start dealing with it then. Do you want to put up the other slide? This is actually, I think, a better representation of what it looks like. The first X represents a healthy marriage. 
The second X represents an unhealthy marriage. You know, if we're not taking care of our hearts and we're not pursuing the Lord in purity, we're going to start heading towards that other X, actually. And that's the truth of the matter. There isn't one destination, but there's many. There's many destinations. And your understanding of marriage and of purity literally determines where you go. If you're looking for a healthy marriage, it will determine where you go out of Beaverton. It determines your steps right now. Just like in the same way that if you have a healthy definition of marriage, it's going to determine the way that you live your life right now. It's going to determine the way that you look at another person. It's going to determine the way that you talk to another person because you understand who they really are. Who you are now is who you'll be in marriage. Here's the truth of the matter. Who you are right now is who you're going to be in marriage. Oftentimes we think marriage is going to change us. We think, man, once I get married, certain things are just going to come so much easier. I'm going to be a different person. But it's not all going to magically change once the ring goes on. It's not going to change. Can I get an amen, Sam? Thank you, son. Oftentimes we look at the romance, we look at kind of this honeymoon stage where we're just living like in a dream. And we think that our issues, whatever is in our lives, good, bad, and ugly, is not going to come with us. Or it's going to stop at the door when we walk into marriage. But the truth is that everything that is you comes into it. I think it's, it's ridiculous for, let's just say a man, for example. Let's say he's completely addicted to pornography he, he inappropriately lusts with women. He's, he inappropriately dates with them. And, then, and he does that for years. And then just to expect one year before marriage that, oh, I, I can change. I can just change after years of unhealthy habits. You could say anything about that. You could say that about a woman who maybe fantasizes about being with a man or has them in too important of a place. And they're seeking them in the same way that they should be seeking Jesus. But then all of a sudden they get to marriage and they say, oh, that'll change. That'll change. I can change that right now. That's ridiculous to think about. And it's untrue because the work that God wants to do in you with your purity happens right now between you and God, not through you and another person. Marriage doesn't change you. Marriage reveals you. That's what Timothy Keller says. Marriage actually shows what's inside of your heart because now you're sharing life with another person. And it should be something that makes us go, wow, I never thought about that. I remember listening to a podcast um, And this pastor, he was focusing on purity. He said, you know what? There are men in this room. He says, there are people in this room who are are struggling with being single. And it's like, yeah, we can relate to that. And then he says, and then there are people who are married in this room that are struggling and don't want to be married. And I remember hearing that and going, whoa, how? And it's because when you enter into that covenant, everything with you comes with you. You know, I think it's, it's almost as, to think of it this way, you don't start studying for a test once the test begins. You don't start training for a game once the game begins. You prep before it, and you take advantage of as much time as you need. And the people who take advantage of that time before a game tend to do better when they get in it. And so to just think that things are going to change, you know, once you get into the heat of battle or the heat of competition is like, man, I'm going to kill at this marathon, and you're just eating junk food, and you're not running, and then you get into it, and you're like, this is not nearly as easy as I thought it'd be. It's like, well, duh. You were supposed to be addressing your heart long before it so that you could have a healthy marriage. 
And I think that's what God wants us to realize is it's not just about getting to marriage, but it's about God wants you to have a healthy marriage. It's not just about having a marriage with God. It's about having a godly marriage with him. Amen? Marriage is not a feeling. It's a commitment to God to love that person. It's a commitment before the Lord. I don't know if you guys have ever been to a wedding. How many of you have been to a wedding in this room? Oh, a lot of you guys have. Um, I got the honor to officiate my sister's wedding last year. Um, got to saw, I saw my dad cry like a blubbering whale. And, you know, dad, you know, I'd say that in the middle of the ceremony. One of the things that happens, as you probably have noticed, is the vows. How many of you guys know what the vows are when it comes to the middle of it? It's this point where they make these vows before one another. Um, but I think it's one of the most interesting parts about it because oftentimes we think of what are our vows, and that is important. But let me ask you something. Who do you make your vows to is a really great question. Who do you make your vows to when you're before there? Are you making it to another person? Or are you making it to God? Is marriage a commitment before another person? Or is it a commitment before God to love another person? It's a commitment before the Lord to love another person. Your promises are to God, through God, to that person. Not to that person directly. It determines everything about your marriage. It determines everything about your relationship. Jesus must be first. Your relationship to Jesus is the single most important part you can bring to the marriage. It will determine the marriage. And not just, I just want to make this very clear, everyone. It's not just having Jesus in your life. It's having Jesus as the most important thing. And having Jesus as the one to determine at the end of the day how you're going to act, what you're going to be committed to, and what you're going to pursue. It literally changes the dynamics of everything. I would just say one thing about being in a, you know, a relationship with Carissa is um, one of the things I appreciate about her is that Jesus is first. Jesus is absolutely first, and she cares more about Jesus than she does about me. And that is good. That is really good. And it changes the way that we relate to one another because now, in a sense, we aren't afraid to be honest with one another. We're not afraid to say what needs to be said to one another, not just to, not just to please one another. We're not afraid if we might hurt the other person or that we might have a disagreement because we know at the end of the day, our love and our satisfaction doesn't come from another person, but it comes from Christ. And I think that we've all seen the opposite of it, where a person has become the most important thing to that other person. And then what you begin to see is insecurity. That person becomes like Jesus to you because now you'll do anything to not lose them. You'll do anything to please them. And then you'll be afraid to be honest with them because what if I hurt them? And what if they get mad? And what if they want to break up with me? And then you begin to operate out of fear. And then all of a sudden, that something that was meant to be so healthy to you is now bringing death to you. Having Jesus first literally changes the path that you walk with another person, which is why... For you, Jesus has to be the most important thing. And for the person you seek, that as well. Marriage, marriage is hunger for hunger. It's not characteristic for characteristic. Oftentimes we think it's about compatibility. Hey, we're kind of in the same life stage. Hey, we're, we're similar. We both like this sport. Hey, we both, we both like this. But let me tell you something. 
when you measure yourself against another person, you should measure what are the things that they want. What are the things that they desire or what you should measure? What are the things that are most important to them? Not just how they look. Not just what their life stage looks like right now because oftentimes people get together, but they have completely different values. And then they clash and it doesn't work because you're both not on the same page. When Jesus is first and Jesus is the thing that you hunger most for, you both draw near to Jesus, but you draw near to one another through the process. If you want to best prepare for your marriage, please write this down. If you want to best prepare for your marriage, go after Jesus wholeheartedly, and you'll see someone running next to you. If you go after Jesus with all your heart, you will see someone running next to you, and you will know that they share your heart as well. That's the most important thing. And you'll never know if someone's in love with Jesus unless you're in love yourself. How would you ever be able to know if somebody loved Jesus if you didn't yourself? How would you be able to recognize something that's unrecognizable to you? You're ultimately attracted to the things that you hunger for. And so to say, but I just care so much about physical things. And it's, well, that's something between you and God, not between you and another person. That's something you need to give to God because ultimately what you hunger for in your heart are the things you're going to be attracted to. And unfortunately about the world around us, it's pretty easy to find those things, which is why it's so important to do it right now, to do it right now. Having Jesus first is vital. It's so much so that if Jesus isn't first in your life, I would just say this just as a word of advice. Jesus isn't first in your life. Um, I'd hold off on thinking about marriage. I would hold off on thinking about ever marrying anyone. doesn't mean you can't think about the idea of marriage and have a godly concept, but in terms of thinking about marrying someone else specifically, don't even think about it until Jesus is first. Don't even think about it. Not everyone is called to marriage, but everyone is called to marriage with God. This is, this is an important one because... Um, when you read through the word, marriage is a, is a gift of God, but it's actually not for everyone. God blesses you whether you're married or unmarried. And Paul, the person who wrote this in another letter, when he begins to talk about marriage, the first thing he says is this. He says, it's better to not get married. He wasn't married. Jesus wasn't married until proven otherwise. It says it's better to not get married. And so you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, Paul, Jesus, why? Question I love, and I also hate to ask myself, this is something that's kept me so honest throughout the years. What if God called me to be single the rest of my life? Ask yourself that question. What if God called me to be single the rest of my life? What does that make you feel? What do you feel inside of you? Do you feel panic? Do you feel anxiousness? Because you go, I don't know if I can do that. I don't think so. But let me ask you something. If God called you to that, don't you think that he would take care of you and that season would be better than if you were not walking with him in marriage? Sometimes we can compromise our love for God in our pursuit of his gifts. Marriage won't satisfy you, but Jesus will at the end of the day. Can we say amen to that? Marriage doesn't fulfill the heart, it reveals it. You're sharing life with someone. You're sharing your strengths, your weaknesses, your pains. You're walking through life. You're, you're learning how to pursue Jesus with another person, and they're helping you through that as you're helping them. You know, I think it's that literally there is nothing on the table between you and another person when it comes to marriage. 
which is why family can be so annoying. Amen? We think about, we go, man, I can't wait for marriage. Man, I can't wait to be in a relationship with this person. Then you think about your brothers and your sisters, and you're like, oof, morons. And you say, I can't stand being at home. But let me ask you this. What if you had to live with your family the rest of your life? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Diabolical. Think of just the angst and the idea of, like, I'd have to live with my mom for the rest of my life. (laughs) Jeffrey! Mom! (laughs) You know? But let 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 me ask you this. The angst that you might feel in that, It's because you think, man, they annoy me. (laughs) Like, they're tough to live with. My brother is a mess. He's so rude sometimes. But what is going to stop you from reaching that same place with your spouse? Because they're going to be your family. Did you know that? They're going to be your family, and you're going to share everything, and you're going to be in that same place with them as well, where you're going to look at them and just say, wow, we share everything. Sometimes it's annoying. Sometimes it's hard. Doesn't mean it's wrong. What makes it healthy is what you do with that. Marriage is friendship. That's the last point um, I just want to go through. In every sense of the word, God made us to be family. God made us to be friends with one another, which is why um, if you can't be friends with someone, you should never think about even going on a date with them. That's the core of it, and that's where everything is built on. Which is why the best advice I could give to all of you is work on friendships. Friendships, if you're dating someone, look at the friendship side of it. Don't look at the romantic side of it. Because romance doesn't lead to a deeper relationship in God. Friendship does. Friendship will lead to romance. In fact, in 2 Samuel, King David is actually writing about one of his friends who died. And his name is Jonathan. It was his best friend. And he says, your love was he said, was better than any woman has ever given me. Now, a lot of people have manipulated that scripture and said, wow, they must be talking about something sexual. But he's not. This is what he's talking about. He's saying that the friendship that they had was better than any romantic relationship that he could have. And it's true for us as well. Nothing can match friendship in the Lord around us. Jamie, if you want to come back up just to play keys. Um, God wants true friendship with us in that same way that he wants to share everything because marriage is a picture of the relationship that God wants to have with us. The last point I just want to make is this before we just close in prayer together. There is no marriage in heaven. There is no marriage in heaven is what the word says. People aren't given in marriage when they go to heaven. But what it says in the book of Luke is that we're, we're all children of God when you look at the person that you would share your life with, whenever that would be, or you would look at even just the definition of dating or the definition of marriage, it's this. Before they're your wife or before they're your husband or before they're your boyfriend or girlfriend, they're this. They're your brother in Christ and they're your sister in Christ. That title, husband and wife, will die off. But that title of brother and sister will always remain. It will always remain. And when we come before the Lord, he's not going to ask what kind of husband were you. What kind of wife were you? He's going to ask, what kind of brother were you? What kind of sister, I mean, were you? It's your best friend. And that's when you love them like family in Christ. 
That's when the relationship is most healthy. And so I want you guys to bow your heads with me. We're going to just close. And, you know, this is a, this is a message of wisdom. This is a message of wisdom. And wisdom is looking at things long before they come into our lives and saying that I'm going to make a decision to walk a righteous path. I don't want to learn this by failing. God doesn't want you to learn about marriage or dating by failing over and over again. This is not something that you learn by experience. This is something that you learn by wisdom of God. And God has wisdom for us today. So maybe today there was something that just stuck out to you. Maybe just the whole concept of what marriage is. Maybe you've never thought about it. And right now you just want to start thinking about it. Doesn't mean you have to rush in. You have to, because God will bring it in its right time. God will bring the right person. You just have to be the right person. So Lord, we want to be that. We want to be the right person before you. Lord, we want to honor you. And Lord, um, no matter who is around us, we want to honor people in purity. So Lord, we give that to you. Jesus, would you just um, begin to speak to our hearts? Would you give us a hunger just for your word to learn about this, Lord? God, would you just continue this conversation? Lord, if there are things we need to change in our lives about purity, Lord, would would you just convict us right now? Would you just change that, Lord? We just confess that to you. If there's something right now that you just need to bring to God, bring that to him right now. It says that if you confess and repent, that you'll find mercy from God. Lord, we confess that before you. And Lord, we just make that turn. We repent. We turn towards you in that. So God, we give that to you. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.